You're listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with host Howard Bender and John and Pemba. What is going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Howard Bender. This is the Fantasy Alarm NFL DFS Podcast previewing week 10 of the NFL season. Power, another great week here for the family in week nine. Uh, looking to continue the momentum into week 10. A nice 12 game slate for us here. I, I've always been one of those, what have you done for me lately type things and, and not really a, a whole lot of looking back and pounding our chests and stuff because you're only as good as what your latest playbook did. But here we are going into week 10 and the playbooks have been fire, whether it was winning, getting a millionaire winner in week three, keeping that momentum going with a couple of six-figure wins there. You took over the playbook for me while I was away in week eight and absolutely crushed that. Um, I saw a ton of winners off of it. So, yeah, what? <laughs> We're doing a damn good job here right now. And and no, I this momentum is not going to stop. We are going to keep rolling because... I got to tell you, man, it's a very interesting week this week here in week 10. And uh, and I think you, me, Vreeland, Conway, Coop, I think everybody's got their finger on the pulse of the NFL right now for DFS. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And you're right. There are some uh, pretty interesting matchups that we're, we're going to take a look at today. We also have some injury news that we're still waiting on. Obviously, Kyler Murray, he returned to practice on Friday. Going to be a game time decision. Aaron Rodgers, not yet cleared from the last time that I saw, but he is supposedly on track to play Sunday against Seattle. Russell Wilson's Carson Wentz is currently listed uh, as a limited participant with a non-COVID-related illness. I assume he'll be fine. Uh, Big Ben is questionable. Lawrence is questionable. So, like, at the quarterback position, Howard, there's, there's, you know, maybe some uncertainty with some of these guys here when it comes to your lineup builds. But if we want to just jump into it, where are you with someone like Kyler Murray, a Josh Allen coming off an awful game against Jacksonville, or a Tom Brady that may not have Godwin, isn't going to have Antonio Brown or Gronk this week? Yeah, the, the high end of, of quarterbacks is definitely rough. I, I I can't trust Kyler Murray. I cannot do it. Because even what we've seen here is that even when he's at less than 100% and he's still playing, then all of a sudden he doesn't run as much. He's not as active, scrambling around. And and it, it becomes a little bit of a, of, a, of a tough situation. Now, you're also dealing with the DeAndre Hopkins is a game-time decision for, you know, for them. They lose Chase Edmonds with the high ankle sprain. I think Rondell Moore is banged up. A.J. Green is still questionable as he recovers from COVID. So I'm, I'm just going to, if it, if it costs me anything, I'm just going to avoid Kyler Murray and fade him. Josh Allen, I look at it in a different situation here. Number one, because it's also a much softer matchup going up against the Jets, even on the road. And it's the Buffalo defense will do its part to take care of the Jets. Josh Allen, I think, embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed. And whether he's got Zach Moss or not, I don't expect a lot of running, even against the Jets. I think there'll be some, but... I think this is Josh Allen saying, what, man, I got to right the ship here. And maybe he gets Dawson Knox back. So we're looking at over that. Brady, again, he's just, even without the weapons, Brady will find a way to get it done. I mean, that's just, that's him. But the question is, is, is this more of a Leonard Fournette type day? Like Brady will hit Mike Evans for two touchdowns. Maybe he hits like a, like a random one to like Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson or something yeah. like that. Two, three touchdowns there. 
but I could see a lot of work here for uh, for Leonard Fournette. So those top three price quarterbacks, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to invest fully for DFS, maybe in a GPP, but none of them are looking like my cash game cube. Yeah, Allen is interesting because Buffalo scores as he scores, right? Like they don't really run the football, even though this is a perfect matchup for them to run the football. The Jets have allowed the most rushing touchdowns in, in the league this season. When Buffalo puts up three, four scores, usually it's like Josh Allen throwing one and then running in, throwing three, running in one, right? Like he usually is the one that, that scores fantasy-wise whenever Buffalo gets on the board. So I always have some intrigue there. Brady was my top quarterback, even coming on the road. I like the fact they were coming out of a bye uh, and off a loss. And Adam Ronis on Alarm After Hours last night brought up a pretty good stat where like Brady's like, 50 and like four off a loss or something like that, right? Like some incredible number where he just doesn't lose back-to-back games. So even though they're on the road where Tampa Bay hasn't exactly performed as well this year, including just losing on the road to the Saints before they're by, you're right. I, I kind of still like like Brady as a, my GBP play for sure. But it gets, again, it gets interesting after that. If Rodgers plays this week, I like Rodgers a lot against Seattle at 7,100. I understand some people worry about the effects of COVID, but Rodgers has claimed he's been fine the entire time. He's never really felt bad. And he is a guy that likes to play when he has a hair up his ass, right? Like he's, he's, he's someone that is motivated. He feels like he's been attacked this whole, if he gets on the field, he might go out there and be like, yeah, COVID this, vaccination that, I'm throwing four scores. So, and Seattle's past defense hasn't been very good at all this year. So Rodgers is good to go, $7,100. I, I actually think he's uh, probably one of my favorite plays this week. Yeah, I do like them, though. Listen, there are a lot of people who have purported that they're, they're fine. They, they've had COVID and they've uh, been fine with it and business as usual. And nobody likes to no, nobody likes to say that they got taken out by it or weakened by it. So I get what you're saying. It's it, to me. Yeah, it's the chip on the shoulder or the hair up your ass, as you put it. Hair across um, your ass is what I meant to say, but you know what I meant. Either way, the motivation factor for Rodgers is really what what definitely cinches it in. So yeah, I, I definitely like him as a as an option. He's in the watch list for sure. But I mean, listen, it's I mean Herbert's another guy who I who I, I dig as well. Dak Prescott too. You want to talk about needing a a bounce back? Dak Prescott going up against Atlanta could be an interesting one as well. Yeah, again, you're you're you see Cooper Rush uh, turn CD Lamb and Amari Cooper into 100 yard receivers in the same game, and you're wondering. Where that's been all year with Dak, outside of week one, it's been difficult to get those two, uh, those three guys really on the same page at the same time. Yeah, I, I like Dak at 69. Wilson, I even think against Green Bay at that price at 67 is kind of appealing, considering what we were what we were having to pay for Wilson earlier this year, right? Like over 7K every week, topping out at 7,600 back in week three. Now he's 6,700 coming off of the finger surgery that he had there. Um, still has Metcalf and Lockett. Again, Green Bay, not particularly great defensively. That's that, I think that's probably like him and Prescott for mid-tier is probably the guys that I have the most interest in. I don't really love much else. You know, it's still hard for me to trust Tannehill, even though I think there's a good stack opportunity here with him, given the price, price of a Julio Jones this week, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I think Julio just landed on the injury report again. Again? Again? With his hamstring, yeah. Limited. Well, he didn't. He was on the injury report on Wednesday. So this is the problem, right? Like, <coughs> excuse me. I'll edit that up. They, they got rid of the probable tag, right? We talk about this all the time. Oh. <laughs> so, like, like he's limited. He's quite – but, like, it would make sense for Tennessee to limit him going into the week so he is ready to go on Sunday because he has a huge history of, of hamstring problems. 
The fact that he practiced on Wednesday and wasn't on the initial injury report makes me feel like he's okay. And then they're just sort of like limiting him Thursday, limiting him Friday to make sure he's good to go for Sunday. He's going to end up probably being a game time decision, I would imagine. I'm hopeful we get like the Adam Schefter midnight tweets. But the worst thing they ever did was get rid of the probable tag because there's there's a good chance that Julio Jones is probable to play. And we're sitting here biting our nails again, being like, oh, no, here's the hamstring. He's probably not going to play again. Fade at all costs. Again, is he a great option? Eh, he hasn't really been awesome this year, but you can't run against New Orleans. A.J. Brown's probably going to get the lad of more experience. So you would think this could be a Julio day and therefore maybe a Tannehill day if they can't really get things going on the ground with the, the corpse of Adrian Peterson and Donta Foreman running up against the Saints. So maybe, maybe some Tannehill for me this week as well. Maybe some Tannehill for you this week as well. You could thank, by the way, you could thank you, yourself and uh, and Bill Belichick for the the loss of the probable tag on the injury report. Was that him? Yeah, I never. He always proposes things to the competition committee. I never know. He didn't propose it. He was just being all shady with the injury report. So then then they turned around. They were like, well, you have to submit and blah blah blah. So all of a sudden, he started putting every single one of his players on the injury yeah. report, and then they got rid of the probable tag. Yeah, Brady was Brady's on the injury report for uh, 10 years <laughs> with like a shoulder <laughs> for a shoulder injury that never happened. Yeah. All right. So looking further down the list here for for quarterbacks, I'll just say this. I'm definitely intrigued by Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. I am definitely intrigued by Trevor Lawrence. That indie that that game that right there. I mean, that that could either be like the biggest bust of a game or it could be. Um, one of the more high-scoring games. I mean, it's Minnesota and the Chargers, and it's Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Those are two games that I'm definitely eyeballing for DFS. So I'm still I'm not totally committed. I, I'm more committed to Wentz than I am to Trevor Lawrence. Wentz I could use as a cash game quarterback as opposed to Lawrence, who would probably be more of a GPP. But then let me throw this one out at you. Ready? You ready? Yeah. Go deep. Go deep. Catch. I'm ready. Trevor yeah, I guess. <laughs> so gross and grimy. I, I, I my problem with Simeon is that it feels like at any point, and even though it didn't happen last week, like at any point, Taysom Hill, it feels like could be part of the game. Right? Like now they, they give Hill select packages like he always does. But I don't know. Like if this game goes sideways for a little bit or Simeon doesn't look good, like he, there's always Taysom Hill there. So I could see it. I don't love it, but I could see it. I, I'm actually surprised that Cam Newton's not in the player pool, given given how many guys have been on the player pool of DraftKings this year that don't exist. I figured he'd just be floating around somewhere, but not that I was going to suggest playing him, but they did say today that they have select packages for him this weekend. So Cam Newton could come out of this week with two rushing touchdowns, right? Like, who, who the heck knows? But yeah, I'm... I'm my value is probably just going to be Wentz. I don't really like going much lower than that. I've, I've tried playing the, the, the Trevor Lawrence value game too many times this year, and it just it just hasn't worked out for me. All right. All right. So let's move on to running backs then. Yeah. CMC had 100 total yards in his first game back. I think we can certainly continue to mold back into that that train well. He's cheap, right? Like this is a guy that we were routinely paying 9K, sometimes 10K for. He's 8,400. He had 100 total yards. I, I think we we have to take advantage of the value here with him. 
Yeah, I definitely think that we can take advantage of the value here with CMC, especially because of what we've just we've seen with I mean, obviously, there's not a whole lot of trust in PJ Walker. They did sign Matt Barkley, who could come in at some point or another. And like you said, Cam Newton is a is an option there. But yeah, I think all of that points towards a heavy lean on CMC this week again against Arizona. Arizona's D has been okay. It's been good, been a little better, but Christian McCaffrey, to me, is one of those guys who still, even just one week back under his belt, he still kind of transcends what the matchups are because he's so so focused. Now, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to pay up for him like that in a in a in a cash game. Like, I'd rather, in all honesty, I'd rather take the security of a Jonathan Taylor or mm-hmm. a Dalvin Cook in a cash game matchup there. But CMC definitely for some GPP work. Yeah, he played 50% of the offensive snaps his first game back. Seemed to handle it pretty well, not on the injury reports, but practicing. So I would imagine that gets bumped up this week as well. And just just the, his immediate return and use in their, their offensive game plan. It's like, right, it's Christian McCaffrey. This is what they're going to do. He's going to touch the ball whenever they have the opportunity to. So, yep, that's fine. Taylor, obviously, and Cook, great matchups for him. We talked a little bit of Cook on the NAF podcast last night. All signs say that he's going to play, but who the heck knows from now until... To the weekend, but Madison obviously would be in a good spot should he go there as well. So I'm definitely big on that one. Uh, I even think Najee Harris, I know he limited at practice due to a foot injury on Thursday, but it's it's Detroit, right? We just saw Jordan Howard and Boston Scott both run all over uh, this, Lions, <laughs> this Lions defense. You know, Najee Harris, 23, 24, 26, 22 carries the last four weeks. Again, my problem with him is that they're not efficient yards. That offensive line is so bad, they get no push. So he's averaged 2.8, 3.5, and 3.4 yards per carry the last three weeks against Chicago, Cleveland, Seattle. But Detroit's worse than those guys. So like we could very well see him run four and a half yards a carry this week at 25 carries and maybe multiple scores. So And with Chase Claypool out as well now, maybe he, again, more involved in the passing game for Harris. So 7,900, a guy that's probably going to go very overlooked because, as you mentioned, Taylor and Cook are going to draw a ton of interest this week. And he has just as much upside as those guys. Yeah, and you got to love the the questionable tag on him. He showed up a little bit late on the injury report with the foot, but it's just to me, it's it's not something. This this offense just it runs through Najee Harris, literally, not just figuratively, but literally. And so you kind of have to you have to roll with that. And yeah, a little bit of a discount there, hundred dollar, two hundred dollar discount at least on DraftKings. Eckler is obviously another one that you got to look at. It's this whole top tier, man, right? It's McCaffrey, it's Taylor, it's Cook, it's Harris, it's Eckler. I mean, these guys are all in play with really great matchups all around. So the the question is, is when you're when you're doing your lineup build, do you try and get two of them in there, or is there value further down that we can look at and maybe say, get one of them in there and then bargain shop for your second guy? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some guys in the mid-tier to take a look at. Connor, for sure, I think will be popular this week. Knowing there's no Edmonds, knowing the who knows how healthy exactly Kyler is. Carolina does have, obviously, a good run defense. They have very fast linebackers as well. So Carolina, I actually I saw Stan. I wish I, I, mean, I wish I screenshotted it so I could remember the exact numbers. But I think they're like a number two defense against screen plays as well. Like their their linebackers are just so fast that they they just don't give up a lot of yardage to those short passes. They're just on people so quickly. But but Connor's just a touchdown machine. Eleven touchdowns already this year. So I think there's going to be some certain interest with him. I think Aaron Jones is 69 again, a little bit cheaper than those guys you mentioned. But you could find him there. 
I want to know what you're thinking on Michael Carter, right? They, they are putting Mike White. When White was the quarterback, we saw Carter have 17 catches on 23 targets in the two games that White played. $5,600. I know it's Buffalo, so it's not a great matchup, but that kind of volume in a full PPR, do you, do you go back to your Jets here? I, I, I can't. I mean, I get what you're saying. Obviously, in a full-point PPR environment, if he gets eight or nine catches because it's just check down city, then it's great, right? I mean, but but how much yardage is he going to pick up and can he get into the end zone? So, yeah, eight or nine catches is great. If it comes with, like, 55 yards, nah. If it comes with 55 yards and a touchdown, okay, then then it's better. Buffalo ranks 14th in DVOA against running back pass plays, giving up less than 35 yards per game. By the way, Carolina, uh, number one overall. Just okay, going yeah, back I knew, with what I you were saying. Were right, yeah, I knew they were right there. So fewer than fewer than 25 yards per game allowed. Yeah, their linebacking core is so fast. Like literally, they just blow up. If you if you the Patriots played them last week, if you saw the play that Damian Harris got injured on, it's because the linebacker was literally in the backfield before Mac Jones like handed the ball off to Harris, and that's how he ended up a concussion protocol. Like, these guys just get off the line so quick that if they they just blow up players like that pretty easily. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not against Carter. I'm not anti-Carter. But, yeah, you know, maybe for a GPP, because probably few people will be on him, it might be. But we can Yeah, it's just a volume go... play. It's just a volume play for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a volume play. I mean, listen, I, I, think, I, I think McKissick kind of falls into that yeah, you know, into that realm as well, especially because it's it's Washington against Tampa Bay, and while Tampa Bay you can't run on them, they rank 23rd in DVOA against running back pass plays, giving up almost 53 yards per game to them. So it's Carter versus McKissick. They're kind of like right there in the same boat and similar price. McKissick obviously a little lower at 5200. Yeah, I, I like the McKissick play. Yeah, I, I think if you if you want to gamble with it, try to pick the right Broncos running back this week. I think this is a matchup where they could be productive. Melvin Gordon obviously had the 21 for 80. Yeah, it feels like Denver wants to go with him when they're you know kind of in that lead territory. He's their veteran back. I like that he's getting a few a few carries. Uh, sorry, a few. Uh, receptions a game as well but we've also seen obviously Williams have some similar success in recent weeks as well so both of those guys are interesting because of their matchups but just about who's going to make the most uh, of their opportunity this week in this spot here going up against Philadelphia yeah and if you want to stay in that range also but right next to Javante Williams is Naeem Hines who we've seen when the Colts are playing against a team that they've got the game in hand or it's a a very weak run defense. If once Jonathan Taylor gets going, they are not afraid to spell him with Naeem Hines a bunch. And we've seen Hines get pretty explosive in recent games with, uh, you know, well, this past game. And then I guess it was like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. It was a similar situation. And he ended up with a good, strong game there as well. Yeah, no, Hines, is, Hines is interesting. I think he's he's definitely more of a, I think, a little bit of a riskier play. He had the 34-yard touchdown last week, which really bolstered the fantasy production there. But I definitely see the game path potentially for him being involved. Zach Moss still dealing with a concussion. Practice with the, the non-contact jersey on, uh, still in concussion protocol. So, you know, trending in the right direction of returning. But if he doesn't, Devin Singletary is definitely an appealing fantasy option this week. If there is no... Moss to take carries away. Singletary could see double-digit carries because of that. 
And therefore, against the Jets, there's always the upside for him in that sort of matchup. Now, we don't generally like playing the Buffalo running backs because Allen does all the work, as I mentioned before, but it's the Jets. Like, J.J. Taylor had two rushing touchdowns against them. Like, there's there's always always the potential uh, for Singletary to break one. So you got him there. Dearness Johnson's a quite is an interesting one. <laughs> Nick Chubb doesn't play because we talk a lot about how Belichick takes away the one thing you do well. In this instance, it feels like they would stop the run and make Baker try to beat them, but... Who knows? It could be easier for them to contain Baker and, and and try to let them run the clock or whatever. So Johnson obviously had that huge game against Denver. New England does not stop the run very well. So he could be a guy at a value price to take a look at. Yeah, I would probably. Yeah, I mean, just based on I was talking to uh, to Bob Harris and, and Mike Dempsey last night from the football diehards. Harris had a, a very similar similar take as as you did on the Annie Up podcast when we recorded, which is out right now actually you guys can go check that out i tweeted it out earlier but you talking about belichick committing to stopping the run so it does put it puts me a little bit more on singletary than it does dearness johnson but i'll tell you the one that i'm waiting for man the one that i'm waiting for is whether or not alvin Kamara is in or out because mark ingram at 4500 Come yep. on. Yep. He's got 20 carries in his future if that ends up being the case. And the, the his involvement in the passing uh, game is like infuriating to me as someone who has Alan Kamara in a handful of leagues. And then I'd also played Kamara last week in DFS. You know, why Why is Mark Ingram getting five catches on five targets, right? Why isn't, why isn't Alvin Kamara being the one getting a lot of this work? And since he's gone there, they have used him in the passing game a little bit now. Uh, but you're right, 4,500 Mark Ingram for sure would be Chalk City. And then if, if both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris are out, I mean, Brandon Bolden's 4,400 and J.J. Taylor's two, is $4,000. One yeah, of those two yeah, guys. Yeah. How about how about the the word that came out? I, I it was some one of the it was one of the beat writers who said that if Johnu Smith could get work as a yeah. running back. Yeah, I saw that they actually were there was four. <laughs> funny you say that there was uh, tape from uh, minicamp and training camp this offseason where John Smith was lining up as the halfback. And people were like, oh, this is how the Patriots used Aaron Hernandez at times back in the day, out of the backfield. That would be wild. I don't I don't think you could start John Smith because of that idea, but that would be a GPP dart. Maybe that's a dartboard play this week, Howard, if you want to get really into it. Like that's, if those guys are out, I could definitely see that being a possibility for sure. And, and not like a huge volume, but like he could get four carries, something like that, maybe in the goal line or, or, or somewhere around that range where he could find some work. So yeah, that, that's super interesting that you bring that up. Cause I actually now remember seeing those, those videos go kind of viral uh, among Patriots nation on Twitter with John who lined up in the backfield. So good, good point to that one. Dude, um, Bill Belichick farts and it's viral on Patriots Twitter. Come true. On. It's true, but anytime you see a guy Janu's size lining up as halfback, you're also like, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember seeing, I remember seeing that in like Pee Wee football, where the biggest kid in the field is the running back for the other team. So yeah, so that's probably it for running backs, right? Like if you Bolden and JJ Taylor, I think are dark throws that those guys are out. Both of them are more pass catching running backs than running backs, but PPR PBR league, there's some value there, and then the Ingram one for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nobody else really that I'm uh, that I'm eyeballing there. Yep, a wide receivers at the top. Devontae Adams against Seattle, if assuming Rodgers is back, be like that play. Do you think Brown gets the Lattimore matchup, or do you think it would be Julio? I, I feel like it would it would be Brown, but here's the thing. Marshawn Lattimore, 
he's not shadowing as much as he used to because he's kind of lost a step, right? He's he's just he's slowed down a little bit. And so his coverage numbers really haven't been as good. Not to mention people just stop throwing at him. You see a lot of that with these like quote unquote yeah. shutdown corners, is that that teams just stop throwing in that direction. And so it just his presence there takes away half the field. I don't necessarily know if I would say that you would want to shut down AJ Brown over Julio, but then again, well, yeah, because I mean, if if memory serves, doesn't Julio have like the advantage against Marshawn Lattimore in their past matchups from when Julio was with the the Falcons? They've seen a lot of each other. They have seen a lot of each other. I don't know who got the better though. Feel like it might be Julio, but I, I'm like I'm feeling wrong. I'm feeling like it was Julio as well. The more I think about it, I don't have the head-to-head data there in front of me, but I do know that they have a lot of familiarity against obviously one another there. I just looking at the way Brown has been playing of late, and, and the Rams game aside, where he, he still had 11 targets there, he's been pretty baller. So again, top tier, you have Adams, Brown, Justin Jefferson. Do you have an injury form in front of you? The status of the Chargers corners because last week. They were both out, and we saw Devonta Smith have maybe his best game of the year. I don't have the injury report ahead of me right here, but I can pull it up immediately and tell you that Chris Harris is fine. Safety Nasir Adderley is questionable. Michael Davis, the cover corner, who sat last week, is still dealing with a hamstring issue. They have not said anything recent about him, though. Okay, so that's something to monitor. Again, we like the we like the running back, obviously, with with Cook, but Jefferson and Feeling could have themselves uh, some pretty solid matchups there. I don't really want to play Terry McLaurin. I know the matchup, but I just don't really like the offense there for Washington. And, and while McLaurin is obviously super talented, boomer bus play. There's a lot of games where he does nothing. There are games where he explodes. Tough for me to really want to go there. Same with Diggs, uh, a guy that just continually struggles to pay off his price point. Only two games over 20 fantasy points is not somebody you can pay $7,500 for. So that one's out for me. I had like Godwin, but he is not likely to play now. So for me, it's it's got to be Mike Evans, right? $6,900 against Washington. He's on the cover of the watch list. He will be locked into every single one of my lineups this week. I mean, even if, even with double coverage possibilities, I just, yeah, I just, I, I you can't look away from, from Mike Evans here. I mean, he can just easily pop off and with no Antonio Brown and no Gronk and Godwin limited, I, I think it's close to a must. Yeah, Tommy's going to have eyes for only, right? So uh, he had three touchdowns a couple of weeks ago against Chicago. Got to love the potential for there. I wish I could trust Deontay Johnson. You know, the targets obviously last week were, were down. Uh, Big Ben looks like ass, so it's kind of hard to want to like keep going there. <laughs> it is Detroit, though. So, like... Yeah, if he goes from if he gets nine catches again, like he's gonna give you the enough fantasy points to to pay it off. But it's just so hard. Maybe in cash games, maybe he's there's some viability there. But I, I struggle just given the decline with Roethlisberger. Right? What? I said right. Like it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're a thousand percent right. No doubt. No doubt. Where are you with the Seattle receivers? It sucks because. The, the finger surgery, listen, I get it. He, he Russell Wilson received clearance and stuff like that, and he's been back the at practice. About, yeah, the doctor was shocked about how quickly he recovered or something like that. Yeah, yeah. which always obviously makes me a little bit nervous then because you're like, well, really, what is his, what's his, his state? I would say that I'll happily use Seattle in a GPP, and I'll, I'll even stack it, right? I'll go, I'll go Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf. I don't care, right? Because yeah. – 
if if Wilson's on and he's like really he's like hell bent about like this is his comeback and he's ready to go, I think it's it, it worked beautifully for him. But I, I won't trust it in cash games. But I definitely don't mind it in a GPP, especially given the matchup. I mean, it's really it's it's not that tough a matchup. Once Jair Alexander went down, really like what the hell were what, you know what what are the Packers doing out there in the secondary? That's what I'm saying, right? Like they're they're exploitable. I'm not really worried. I don't feel like I'm worried about DK Metcalf, right? Like he didn't practice, but like he's been questionable a lot this season with this injury and he's been fine. So like, I'm assuming he's good to go. And this is another spot where it's, I feel like the receivers for Seattle are depressed price-wise because it, it had been Geno. If you look at you know the point where Russell Wilson went down with an injury, they were all over 7K. And now we're looking at them in this mid-6K range. I think there's value here for sure, given their matchups there. I'm out on Williams, Mike Williams, that is. He's just too inconsistent for me to trust. I know that this is a good matchup on paper for the Chargers, but I don't, I don't know. The defenses, I think, are just settling in on the fact that it's like, all right, as long as we don't let them get behind us, then they're going to throw underneath the Allen and Eckler, and we'll just shut down the big play. And I think Williams has struggled with that. So for me, I'm probably out. And then I just look at someone like Michael Pittman, who's probably a chalk player. Yeah, I love Pittman this week. I do. I do. So yeah, I'm definitely in on. I'm definitely in on on that. I mean, Pittman is what 6,300 on uh, on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. If you're 6,300, dude, he's he's been unavoidable really the last few games at his price point. Um, and he's still too cheap. He's, he's probably given given the the way things have been trending for him. Next week he could be a sixty-eight to seven thousand dollar receiver if he has the game many are expecting this week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, further down the list, where you and I tell you, you know, you go further down the list. Some interesting game. Obviously, listen, Emmanuel Sanders, I think definitely gets play. He, he <laughs> I actually kind of like him more than I like Stefan Diggs. Yeah. He just seems talk, to be that that go-to guy, right? We talk we talk about this in terms of like where you're spending your money with these Buffalo receivers. You know, bang for your buck, it, it's Sanders and Beasley. It's not spending 7,500 for for Stephon Diggs, who's essentially been giving you similar average production as those guys, right? So I'm with you. I think Sanders and, and Beasley does play. I think there's some interest there. I'll also mention just the fact that with Dawson Knox returning or expected to return. Beasley popped off in the games where Knox has been out. Knox was playing like 90 plus percent of the offensive snaps there before. So if Knox does come back, maybe I downgrade Beasley here. If Knox doesn't, then maybe Beasley's more in play again. Yeah. 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 I'll say, yeah. If, if Knox is out, yeah, Beasley does definitely does stand out. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, but I like Julio and Jerry Judy at that, that same range. Uh, again, Julio at 5,400. I know the the production hasn't been great lately, but I think there's this is a matchup that could present that upside because we've just seen teams just not able to move the ball on the ground against the Saints. So if they're forced to throw, the volume could be there for Julio this week. And if he's truly healthy, then maybe it's a spot he comes back from. And then Judy has basically just come back, stepped in and gotten a high snap share right away. And then eight targets last week. He and Bridgewater continue to connect. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, is it, do you like anybody else? Any other value plays here uh, jumping out to you at all? All right, let's see. As we, because I'm just scrolling down. Yeah. Gage definitely at 5K. He he 
kind of intrigues me a little bit. I do like Donovan Peoples-Jones. And even though it's against New England, I I definitely think that Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's an interesting guy. He's got good size. He can go across the middle. He can take it. He can stretch the field. So I'm looking at him. I put LaVisca Chenault in the the watch list at 4,600. I mean, I know there hasn't been a lot of great stuff there, but again, we're talking about really Kenny Moore and Rocky Yassine are just not good cover corners for, for the Colts. So I'm, I'm intrigued by Chenault a little bit in that matchup as well. Yeah, I, I think there's always a path to that with him. My one worry is the fact that, and, and Andrew Cooper and I have talked a lot about this on the Fantasy Alarm, the, the fantasy football podcast that we do on Thursdays, is that following the injury to DJ Chark, they moved Chenault from the slot to the outside. And since he's moved to the outside, his production has just kind of tumbled there. We've seen a lot of Dan Arnold targets from the slot. We've seen a lot of Jamal Agnew targets coming from that slot, really, receiver spot as well. It feels like the Urban Meyer offensive system or maybe Trevor Lawrence just in general is more comfortable sort of throwing to the open receiver there over the middle or underneath than taking downfield shots with the Jones or a Chenault. But Again, if there's a spot for them to take advantage of, it would be this Indi- this uh, Indianapolis Colts defense that has struggled. So I, he was a player that I was high on coming into the year. was disappointed to see him move the way he did, but I think there's definitely some upside out of him this week as well. Other value plays are kind of jumping out to me on, on my radar this week. If you're really looking to get different, I'll say, James Washington's 3,500. It is Detroit. Chase Claypool's, you know, unlikely to play as he, if he hasn't been ruled out already. Based off some of the reports that I've seen, didn't participate with a toe on Thursday. He's $3,500, so I think there's certainly uh, potential for him to be there. And then Tyler Johnson is 3300 right? F- five catches, six targets, 65 yards. Last week, I think Tyler Johnson, if Godwin especially is out, I think you could play Tyler Johnson even if Godwin is in because he stepped into the Antonio Brown snap share. He's playing like 65% of the offensive snaps anyways. But if Godwin is out, you would expect Johnson to probably fill the Godwin role. I've seen reports that maybe Scotty Miller is back this week, activated off of IR. I haven't seen an official report of him being activated, but Arians was quoted as saying there's a chance he suits up. So it's possible that Johnson becomes Godwin and like Miller becomes Johnson this week because there's just so much, there's so little depth at the receiver for them. They did sign Brashard Perriman. I would be interested if he actually suited up, but he's not on the slate. Howard for the DraftKings, so we can't play him if he does. You uh, you stole my sneaky guy. Sorry. You stole my Tyler Johnson sneaky play, right? Stack I him up. I talked too with- much, so I apologize for 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 stealing it away from you. Brady Brady Evans and 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 Tyler Johnson, right? A little sneaky stack there, or do you just go Brady Fournette and Evans there? But either way, Tyler Johnson at that price. I'll throw another one who's like just dirt freaking cheap as well. That, well, I mean, two guys here. I mean, listen, we don't love the Saints. We don't love Trevor Simeon. But Kenny Stills at 3,300, he just needs to get into the box, right, in order mm-hmm. uh, to, to return value. We saw him do that last year, last week, I mean. And, and Tennessee's secondary is not strong at all. Or Deontay Harris is four grand. He's 700 more than Stills, but that's definitely a possibility as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Harris, as long as he's on the field, some appeal to him. Uh, Coop brought to my attention that apparently he just settled like a DUI case uh, and the league 
could potentially hand down a suspension to him, but I feel like that would have already happened if that ended up being the case. So yes, Harris for sure, I think is interesting with, with someone like Simeon there. So yeah, those guys, those guys are all pretty, pretty good calls. I, I like that. The stills one interesting also. So it's dirty. You could say it it's is. dirty. It's dirty. I mean, cause like Trey Watt Smith's there and he's kind of been bumping up snaps, but it's, I mean, they're there. I'm not going to sit here and, and fight with you on it. The touchdown last week puts him on the radar. So do we have, is he going to play? <clears throat> What do we know if Josh Reynolds is eligible to play this week? I don't know if he's eligible to play this week or not. Where did he land again? He got released by Tennessee and landed with signed with the Lions to reunite with Jared Goff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If I'm going to use a Lions receiver, it's going to be Khalif Raymond. Okay. Under the the, the Goff Reynolds connection, right? Yeah. Three thousand dollars again. I think we're wasting too much time talking about drunk here, but I just uh, saw him sitting, <laughs> saw him sitting there, and wanted to see maybe where we could take us. All right, we go to tight end. Kyle Pitts is the top price guy. Dallas has actually kind of struggled against tight ends, which feels a little bit surprising to me. Hawkinson is right there. Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, like all of these guys at the top. Do you, do you have appeal with this top end group of the tight end situation? No, I really don't actually. I mean, listen, Kyle Pitts is he's he's got the the, the best matchup on paper. Dalton Schultz has a good matchup on paper against Atlanta as well. But in in a, in a week where I love the high-priced running backs and and I like a lot of the mid-tier wide receivers, we definitely need places to pay down and I think that's kind of where I'm leaning at the tight end position here, because I just, if you look further down the list there of tight ends, even even the mid-tier ones, I mean, you're going to trust Dawson Knox coming back from the surgery. Are you going to trust Zach? It's just a finger, right? Oh, he broke a bone in his hand. Yeah. Yeah, his hand. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel a little better about that than it would if it was a leg or foot injury. Yes, I would definitely, I feel a little bit better about that. Um, oh, here we go. Breaking news. Nick Chubb is out. Sunday against the New England Patriots. Well, there you go. Gives you your Dearness Johnson play. Or do does want, it? Do we want that, though? Is that, like, there you go. That's the question, right? Is that the free square or is that the trap? The trap. You're saying it's a trap. And it's a trap. All right. So I'll trap. leave it at that. Let's go right. back to the tight ends. Yeah. Fryermuth and Dan Arnold. Fryermuth and Dan Arnold. I don't mind Conklin. Yeah. It's not, it's not ideal, but I don't the mind Chargers, it. The Chargers a, are not very good against the tight end, so I can see it. Yeah, they're not. But I'm with you. Dan Arnold and 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 Fryermuth seem to be the two guys. Fryermuth will definitely, he'll be, Fryermuth is probably easily your cash game tight end because everybody's going to play him, which is helpful when you're doing your cash lineups. It's definitely helpful. So, but yeah, I think, I think Dan Arnold, again, you're going up against the Colts. <laughs> Colts give up. I think it's like the fifth most fantasy points per game to the tight end position. Something yeah. like that. And Darren Arnold right now is being used, as Scoob had put it, like Travis Kelsey. He's seeing like 80% of his snaps in the slot. He's getting like a 70, like a, he played like 90% of the snaps or something like that. And he has like a 25% target share. Some Something absurd numbers where Dan Arnold is just insane usage right now in that offense. So while it is Jacksonville, this is definitely a spot to use him because the volume is there. And a tight end spot like that, you're always just looking at volume. The only other guy that I'll throw out at the tight end, and it's kind of a same price range thing here, assuming that Logan Thomas continues to be out. He's eligible to come back off IR, but he's been kind of practicing on his own. Ricky Seals-Jones going up against Tampa Bay. 
He had a lot of volume going his way before that buy. He's $3,700. Step into a matchup here against Tampa Bay. You can see him again, see his seven, eight, nine targets in that slate. So all three of those guys, Arnold, Fryermuth, and Seals-Jones, filling out the mid-tier there. Arnold, Fryermuth, and Ricky Seals-Jones. Yeah. Would you would you consider O.J. Howard, actually? So I asked that question as well. Apparently Cameron Brait fills like the Gronk role. Uh, for whatever reason. He's the one that lines up and goes out for more routes than O.J. Howard does. I think if you're getting a little punty, you can certainly go in that direction. I won't I won't sit there and, and tell you. I will also say that maybe Fryermuth isn't as great of a play this week because after being limited, Ebron was actually a full participant this week on Thursday. So I would hope that they would stick with Fryermuth and and realize what they have in the in the rookie. But if Ebron ends up suiting up, obviously there's some trouble there. But I actually have interest in Adam Trotman. This King is the guy the drop, again. King of the- well, also a lot of targets lately, though. So I, I think at $3,000, there, there's some appeal to him, again, just given how he's been used. And I, you're listening to this. I'm sure you already have checked it out. But check out Coop's tight end coach and, and get his reasoning there on Trotman. And basically the complete, like, role flip that he's had in this offense over the last few weeks where he's went from basically not running routes at all to being one of the team's leader in in route runs. So run, routes, run, uh, tongue twister there. So if Fryermuth, for whatever reason, if Ebron is in fact active, you probably don't want to pay 4K for him. Uh, there's a little bit more risk there. Maybe you spend down and take a look at a Trotman at, at $3,000. Yeah, looking at some uh, draft percentage forecasting here over at DFS Alarm at the tight end position. Dan Arnold leading the way at 13.17%. Kyle Pitts at 2, 12.11. Fryermuth, 8.78 in third there. Troutman, not even remotely. Troutman, I mean, that's got to be a GPP play, though. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's, <clears throat> I don't think he's cash viable, but you're looking at a guy that went from uh, basically not getting targets to 13 over the last two weeks. And you know, what do we talk a lot about, Howard? Oftentimes, like, when a new quarterback enters sort of the fray, right? Like, what yep. does James like to do? Chuck it downfield. What does Trevor Simeon like to do? Game manage. Who's good for game managers? Running backs and tight ends. So uh, I don't think it's a surprise that a quarterback steps in and all of a sudden Adam Trotman's out there like, oh, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm catching the football now. Like, and, and this is how he's how he's being used. So for three thousand dollars, Adam Trotman, I think could certainly be a guy that you're going to take a look at. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so there you go. That's the uh, the run of the tight ends. Troutman at three grand on DraftKings is probably as low as we want to go or will go. So let's talk about defenses here. Obviously, Steelers at home against Detroit. Buffalo even on the road against the Jets. They're, they're a top bunch. The Colts big favorite of mine they're like the fourth or fifth most expensive team and i would say the uh, the patriots right after that going up against cleveland just because listen if they stuff the run and they make it up to baker mayfield well <laughs> i'll put my money on belichick uh any day of the week there yeah i i think i think those are all strong plays i'm looking at dallas for me i know they got kind of punked last week but i think maybe that's what they needed they're home again against atlanta I mean, I don't know. I, I look at that Atlanta offense, and I, and I just wonder where, how are they able to consistently put up points? Um, I know Matt Ryan's really excited to turn a corner, but they can't run the ball at all. They just have no ability to run the football. 
So when a team is so one-dimensional, you feel like the defense should be able to stop them. They have digs. I don't know if they would put digs on Pittman, but I mean, or, or Pitts rather, but I, I got to think that they have a plan here to maybe force some turnovers from Ryan, who's not definitely prone to interceptions at times. Them being home, the 3,000. I like that a lot as sort of my value of defense. Is that as low as you'll go for uh, for, for defense? I think so. The last couple of weeks, I've definitely played some value defenses and it paid off against with Washington a few weeks back. It did not pay off with the 49ers last week. They were, they were embarrassing. <laughs> to say the least against Colt McCoy and, and, and the Cardinals at home. I, yeah, I, I think that they would probably be the lowest I could, I would go. Maybe I could be talking to Tennessee if Kamara like doesn't play. I was you know? just going to ask you that. It's like, is Tennessee, like if we've been, we've been talking about their defense all season long and how bad it's been, but they rank eighth in DVOA against mm-hmm. the pass. They're only, they're 24th against the run, but. I don't I don't see teams that are running too heavily on on Tennessee as well. Like, I mean, when was the last time you saw somebody like really just beating the snot out of Tennessee on the yeah. ground? Yeah, I mean, I think they I mean, what did Jonathan Taylor do two weeks ago? He didn't have a he had a good game, did he not? Uh, 16 for 70, four for 52, four and a half yards per carry. It maybe it wasn't a game flow really for him. But I mean, you're not wrong. I, I think. Their, their recent ability to get after the quarterback and, and turn them over and, and the fact that it is Simeon back there, you know, yeah, I, I could see there's some some potential for that as a punt option. At yeah. home, too, yeah. Take, him out, take Tennessee out of the – take New Orleans off the dome, put them on the road. Tennessee's playing hot. Yeah, you know, 2,600 for them is actually a, a pretty good deal there, Howard. Good find. <laughs> Kamara not be if, – if, if Kamara's not there. Right. If Kamara's not there. Just something – Interesting to take a look at. In fact, yeah, 4.5 yards per carry allowed. Only 100 yards allowed on average per game this season. So maybe, maybe, maybe this dude who wrote me an email asking me to stop bashing the Tennessee defense. Maybe, maybe that plays this week. Hmm. I'll have to take a look. See. Maybe I'll yeah. just throw him in the playbook just so that this guy gets off my case. Wouldn't it be the worst thing. Would not be the worst thing. Would not be the worst thing in the world. All right. Did you uh, did you build a lineup? I did. I built a lineup. You built a lineup. And what does your lineup look like, John? Wait, wait. Let me let me just make a couple of little, little last second tweaks here on mine. Okay. Because I definitely built mine. But now that I'm like now that I'm I'm kind of eyeballing this uh, this this goofy Tennessee defense play, it kind of <laughs> changes some things around a little bit. Not a lot. I- I will admit that I, too, made a pivot there to Tennessee and upgraded at a position. We, we were both kind of on the same brain there. All right. Well, then let's have at it. We're- I got Tommy Brady at the quarterback position. Uh, I have Dalvin Cook and Najee Harris in the running back spots. Uh-huh. I got Mike Evans. I got Michael Pittman. I got Tyler Johnson. So we're double stacking the Tampa Bay uh, receivers there with Tom Brady at tight end. We have Darren Arnold at the flex. We're swinging back with Ricky Seals Jones as somebody to come back in that matchup against Brady. And then at the defense, we do have the Tennessee Titans. All right, I like it. I like it. We have uh, we have incredibly similar builds. I mean, just builds in general here because all right. So I went with Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, and Austin Mike Evans. Michael Pittman, Deontay Harris going in there, although I can't really what I probably don't want to go 
Harris there because I'm going to have to run it back against Tennessee, and I don't necessarily know if I want to do that. Shitballs. Shitballs. That kind of screws me up a little bit. Well, I mean, do you have to use Deontay Harris? I don't have to use Deontay Harris. I can probably I can maneuver it around here. Where did I just have Deontay Harris? Where he's, was he's a 4K wide receiver? Yeah, so I can pay do up. Any, a, do you have any flexibility with salary? I mean, I, I probably have some. I probably have some. Let me just 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 give me a second, John. Stop rushing me. People are on the edge of their seat listening to this podcast right now, being like, "Where's Bender gonna go? Where's Bender gonna go?" Hey, this is the this is the thought process that goes into making lineups. This is the thought process that goes into making lineups. I'm being attacked by a, a horsefly that looks like he's the size of a uh, of a of a small pot-bellied pig. And he's zipping around my office and he's dive bombing against me. Damn, 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 damn. John, I had it and then I lost it as far as my lineup went. Well, I apologize for maybe the conversation that we had uh, swinging through uh, Tennessee and making you pivot there. All right. You guys got John's. You got most of mine. <laughs> I'm going to have to dive in a little deeper and see if you know some of these other guys can work. I got to look into the matchup here for KJ Osborne, actually. From Minnesota and just targets see what happens for him. Targets What's that? Tend to be the, the targets tend to be there for him. I, I think that there is uh, a possibility for that. I mean, short last week only had two, but he's had a handful of six to seven plus target games. So if you think this is a shootout against the Chargers, then we could see some Osborne. Yeah, exactly. So I'll just I'll look deeper into that matchup there and see if there's something that that we can't that we can't find can't figure out, but. I think everybody's got a good a good jump start on everything right now. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think everybody has an understanding of what we got going on. You, of course, will have the full playbook, dartboard, and example lines for everybody this weekend. Playbook and dartboard come out on Saturday. Example lines come out on Sunday. Uh, and then myself and Andrew Cooper in the live stream from 11 to 12, uh, leading you in there on Sunday, answering your starts with getting you the inactives, reacting to any news that breaks, maybe the Alvin Kamara news. We get there ahead of time. And they are a 1 o'clock game, Howard, so you will know if Alvin Kamara plays or not before roster's locked. So that's that's definitely a positive for us in our lineup builds. Maybe not for you, then have to scramble and, and rehash all of the example lineups once that news breaks. Hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. But for now, Howard and I will get you back next week.